I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite podcast on the internet. Welcome to the Active Topical Banter Show, RP Gamer's very own editor- editorial roundtable podcast. I'm Scott Wachter, and joining me for this recording are my co-hosts. I'm Sam Wachter, married to Scott, and I am totally Team Jughead. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why she introduces you, you herself as my wife. That, it, I cut it every time. <laughs> Sam, I cut that every time. Well, it's still important. You, you, in any case, so which one of you is Betty and which one's Veronica? Oh, dibs on Betty. <laughs> <laughs> Please, as if, as if that's it. <laughs> Come on. I was about, about to say, is Veronica the clueless one? Because at that, this point, that would be me, because I'm still like, what are you all talking about? <laughs> uh, trying to get people to say their goddamn names. <laughs> so who are you people? Oh, uh, I'm Michael Cunningham, and I have no idea what I'm doing here. Uh, I'm Trent Seely, and I'm a wheelbarrow full of grumbly opinions. Woo! That finally happened. Yay! We had feelings. It was great. Yeah, okay. So, t- on this, the occasion of our 179th episode. Hooray, us! Except for the part where it's episode 39? <laughs> no, we the numbers don't matter anymore. I make up a new one every week. So it's 39. Oh. Yeah. What? Episode Purple Triangle. <laughs> yes! Oh, I love purple triangles. <laughs> So we're not like a There's hexagon. Maybe we're maybe a square. A year or so. I feel like we should be a square, though. We're four people. Yes. Or wait, a diamond. Wait till the upgrade. Maybe a diamond. Ooh. Wait. Wait till the upgrade. Then, okay. then we can be rect- rectangles. <laughs> okay. All right. So our topic for tonight is nostalgia. This weird revival of old school gameplay cloning and some other related ideas about throwbacks. And maybe pirates. And maybe pirates. And maybe pirates. Uh, So I'm going to start off by saying that I am highly suspicious of nostalgia. I think, um, like, like it takes a lot for me to revisit something from when I was young, and I really am just sort of sitting here trying to prove to myself that I wasn't an idiot when I was nine. And nine-year-old me was a dumbass, more often than not. (laughs) I mean, I will admit that some things are just stupid fun, but there's a lot of stuff where I'm like, man, nine-year-old me, this show is dumb. It, this game is painful. What am I, what was I doing? But Can we type- take a minute to just uh, reflect on what nostalgia is? Yeah. Like the ab- concept of nostalgia? Absolutely. Let's, let's wax nostalgic about nostalgia. Let, 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 let's, let's wax nostalgic on nostalgia. That's right. Um, so, Golden Age Syndrome. It's a psychological concept, right? Yeah. Like this idea that uh, things that took place in the past or things that we previously experienced were just so much better, I think in part because we're kind of pruning away the bad memories over time. 
Uh, and even then, Power Rangers is still awesome to me. And I will well, still play Chrono Cross every single year. You know what I mean? Okay, Power Rangers is pretty rad. Um, but there's a lot of the presentation that depends on the whole package. I read a, I just read the JLA Power Rangers crossover. And it doesn't work without the music, man. Well, It doesn't well, work. Okay. I, I'm not saying Power Rangers is a great comic book idea. I'm saying that if your intent is to market toys to kids using bright colors, explosions, kung fu, and giant robots, where else are you going to go, right? It's Power Rangers or bust. <laughs> the but. new movie didn't have enough like Megazord-looking like trucks, so I, I kind of was a little sad. Oh, I didn't watch the new movie. I don't watch any of the movies anymore, in part because of Ivan News. <laughs> Do you remember Ivan News? Yes. yes. <laughs> One good joke and 90 minutes of nonsense. Yeah, and then he showed up in X-Men Apocalypse, and he kept calling himself Apocalypse, and I was like, dude, this is not a sequel, right? Yeah. Regardless. Right. Regardless. <laughs> So what what are you guys nostalgic about? I guess when it comes to JRPGs or or just RPGs in general, like what what games do you look back on fondly without overanalyzing the context of them? For me, it's games that um, maybe have a special meaning in my life, maybe for what was going on, and that's not to overanalyze. Like a game like Chrono Trigger, I remember getting it from a friend at my cottage. And then I wanted to borrow it, and he said no. And I was like, you're going to let me borrow this right now, or else I will punch you. Because um, I was a horrible <laughs> child. So my mom went out of her way to buy me Chrono Trigger to shut me up. And I remember playing it nonstop. Um, Valkyrie Profile was a game that my, I used to play with my mom, because she would ask, I would ask her questions about death and stuff like that. And she would kind of try to explain things as best she could to, you know, 10-year-old me, who was just like, there is so much death in this. And I'm crying like a baby. What is this? So, so you're saying that you're nostalgic about Valkyrie Profile because it taught you about death? Well, it was an interesting bonding experience and with my mashing. mother, for what it's worth. Um, yeah. A lot of video games that are special to me are usually related to my relationship with my mom in a lot of ways, especially a lot of older titles, because she would sometimes just sit while she was reading a book, watch me play games and then ask me questions like, why do you like this? Or what's happening in the story? Um, like, I, I don't know. There are some games that just even now I can still pull back and say that they've still aged really well in my mind. Even even the flaws, like I look at Sweet Coden 2, which you know, is one of my all-time favorite games, but even I recognize that there are flaws in it that um, even nostalgia can't really fix. <laughs> right. Well, I get that because, like, I, I suppose, like most people, I was introduced to video games by someone else. In my case, it was my older brother, and uh, the games I was introduced to were Secret of Mana, Final Fantasy III for the Super Nintendo, which is Final Fantasy VI, uh, and uh, Chrono Trigger. So I pretty much started with the cream of the crop. <laughs> I didn't play a Mario game. I didn't play a Sonic game. I just started with those kind of 16-bit RPGs. And yeah, I can look back on them today and say to myself, oh, these are great games in their own right. But part of the reason why I bought a Super Nintendo Classic, part of the reason why I continue to go back to those games is because it just it's pure nostalgia for me. And I love nostalgia. I find it freaking comforting. <laughs> well, that's just it. It's comfort food. You go back to something and you feel there is usually happy memories associated to it, right? So you just kind of you gravitate and 
you start to remember all the things that made you happy about those games. Like, I remember playing Final Fantasy at my grandmother's house. This is my Italian grandmother who spoke no English. And she'd be like, what's going on? And I'm like, I'm killing, you know, this thing. And oh, no, you know, I died because the final boss in the game was mean to me. So, you know, different different strokes for different folks here. But, you know, again, a lot of my video game memories just revolve my family, my brother, who hated RPGs and would tell me that they are the most boring thing in the world. And I'd have to be like, Justin, shut up. Just shut up. I am enjoying it. Go play your stupid Uniracers. Oh, wait, Uniracers is rad. Never mind. Uniracers was, <laughs> Uniracers was visually arresting. <laughs> like, I could watch that game for days. It's so true. But for some people, it would be cardiac arresting. <laughs> 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 what about you, Mac? What did, what did you find nostalgic in your game catalog? It's interesting for me because when I look back on a lot of the stuff that I've played, most of it was single player. I didn't have, uh, you know, I don't have any brothers or sisters, didn't have any cousins that lived nearby, though my um, older cousin, she's probably, I think she's four years older than me is the one that technically got me into Final Fantasy because she had a Super Nintendo, or she had a, a Nintendo at the time. And the only two games that I remember her having when we first went down there were like, or like two or three games other than Mario were like Top Gun, which we both sucked <laughs> at because it was awful. Was anyone uh, good at Top Gun? Was anyone no. good at Top Gun? I, I don't see how it's even possible. Like that that's not a game you can be good at is is what no. I keep th- looping back around to it. It, it. This is a game that is impossible to be good at. You, you just... Yeah, we spent most of our time trying to land on the aircraft carrier and failing and that was about all there was to it. And and that's and that's the first mission. Like I for years yeah. I thought I was just bad at video games. Because I could not beat the first mission of Top Gun. Nope. <laughs> and then, nope, and it's, decades it's later, it's a, decades it's, later, it's the internet pand- taught you, no, you, you everyone, everyone, everyone was. was in the same boat. Oh my god, it's awful. Yeah. And we had Wizards and Warriors, and she had Final Fantasy. And I had, like, uh, 720 Degrees, the skateboarding game, and I traded her that for Final Fantasy, so that kind of started my... Uh, I love that's, that's a good trade. Who that's... trades Final Fantasy for 720 <laughs> that is wow. a That was a great trade, though. Like, props. Oh, Mad negotiation. Hey, she... She had gotten all the fun she was going to have out of Final Fantasy, but the only fun we had was naming the characters, and we'd go through the first few areas and be like, man, this game's kind of boring, And but it's fun to create new characters and stuff. So I well, think it, well it's fun to name them all but, right? <laughs> no, she had this cool naming system, apparently. Like, every one of them was named either, like, Alex, Alan, Alice, and Al, or I don't know, it was like, you could only have four letter or four letter names and she named all of them some variation of al something like alec alex alan and alvin i don't i can't remember the the fourth one does she have any kids today <laughs> I'm uh, worried yes, for those is, she, kids. is she one of those people that names all of their kids with the same consonant <laughs> uh she has kids, but no, has not done that. So, okay. okay. I think that was just a limitation of the system. You no, know, she, well, she found out that there was more options later on that you could actually name people. <laughs> so, look, look, yes, but, there were only four letter names, but you could name them all, but. 
That, that's yeah. Bud is way better than Alan. See that that is well, an amazing. Wasn't trade. that protagonist of uh, five? Five though. Yeah, that was Butts. <laughs> no, he was Butts, butts. with a Z. Yeah. But Probably coming good back that they the, changed that. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> but as far as the nostalgia part goes, you know, I didn't have any anybody else that I really ever gamed with. I had a few friends. We'd play like Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, but it wasn't very often. So a lot of the stuff I played was single player. And all the RPGs, you know, I really just played by myself. Even if they had co-op options, it wasn't until I was in my you know late teens that I had friends that I could introduce to other RPGs and be like, oh yeah, here let's. You know, enjoy this together. But you know, like Final Fantasy uh, four and six, and like the Lunar Games on Sega CD, I still have memories of playing those at my grandparents' house around Christmas time or whatever, um, and just spending tons and tons of time during the holidays that you'd have off from school, just playing these games multiple times, finish them, and instead of just moving on to the next game or instead of playing an hour of a game and moving on, you finish an entire game and then you'd be like hey i don't have that many other games to play so i'm gonna play this again or something so you know it kind of gave you a stronger dose of nostalgia because that was yeah pretty I, much think, all you had. I, I think i think that's it is like a lot of gamer nostalgia is i have this game it will be months before i can afford another game so i'm gonna okay, so, so, i'm gonna play this yeah, into well, the ground well, what, what was that game for you, then? Well, I, I'm going to point my nostalgia in a different direction, which is... Pen and paper games. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> like, like the Sinister <laughs> Secret Assault Marsh, man. Like, old AD&D modules that were sort of clutched together to incorporate rules from Rules Cyclopedia. A lot of the ones I point at are, like, the big-name ones that are classics that everyone loves. Like, Ravenloft is wonderful. I'm running the port of it to fifth edition now and i'm still having a i'm having a bit of a blast just like messing around in barovia with my players and i can't wait for them to get to the goddamn castle where all the cool shit is but like like literally salt marsh salt marsh salt marsh is like the scooby-doo episode of D, and it's it's that that is just this really old like nothing makes sense do whatever sort of how you play games but in terms of like pc gaming uh again i do question it because it's something i did on my own so i can revisit it and decide that yeah no this this is kind of lame or weird or clunky and i play tie fighter every couple of years and tie fighter continues to be wonderful but every few (laughs) years i've forgotten more about tie fighter and i'm just like oh god i i I I really need like I need a bigger, better cheat sheet than what I do have. Like, let's be honest, Scott only has two games in the world that he will praise as a form of perfection: Tetris and Tie Fighter. What? Oh well, what what about System Shock? Uh, System what Shock. What about Deus Ex? Uh, Deus Ex. Oh, that. Sorry, I forgot about Deus Ex. That would be number three on the list. Well, Deus Ex, take your shock. Take <laughs> like again. All good games come from Looking Glass, whether or not this name on the door is Looking Glass anymore. What about Thief? Oh, yeah, see, again, again. You're still talking about Looking Glass, whether or not Looking Glass is on the door. I know. Again, this is Scott. I will admit that those games are flawed, and I don't think anyone... Like, if if you came back to me with complaints about trying them now, I'm like, yeah, no, these games are pretty rough. 
But imagine playing them at the time and also having to deal with the fact that they ran really poorly on anything but top-end machines. Yep. Okay, so on this question, mm-hmm. is nostalgia a bad thing? You know what? Yeah, I, I'm going to say that as much as I'm suspicious of it, if that's where you're at, let it ride. Like, let your let your eight bit flag fry, fly. Well, fry. I think I think you have to you have to touch base on there somewhere and say, in what instances are is nostalgia bad, and in which instances is it great? You know, if you're making a list of the top 100 RPGs of all time, nostalgia is going to kind of play a factor in there that may not make it the most balanced list. You know, you'll Final look at the games, is um, wonderful. Yeah, well, there, and, and there's and, as a child versus the games but, that you just recently played, yep. and all of those are going to hit the list, and the ones in the middle will kind of get tossed but, out. But I mean, like th- those lists are always subjective. Like anyone calling for a ranking to be objective in nature is is trying to demand something that would never feasibly exist. You know, well, I think well, even, um, even with subjection, you still have. You know your own personal bias that may be kind of rose tinted when you really look at it. Have you gone back to play this game? Is it really as good as you thought it was? Kind of stuff. Icewind Dale, okay. man. Icewind Dale. It, <laughs> that one gets to skirt along on the on the on the coattails of you know a couple other titles, right? Well, and here's the Ice, thing: Icewind Dale is the Samurai Pizza Cats of RPGs. <laughs> Except I <laughs> really like Samurai Pizza Cats. Dope. No, no, because in your mind, you're thinking, damn, this was a good thing. And then you go back and you look at it, and it's crap. It's crap as far as the eye can see. I, I watched that like four years ago, and I still had a blast with Samurai Pizza. So, so to steer the conversation back to where it needs to be, I think back to there was a recent list. Uh, the Game Informer uh, crew did a list of the 100 best RPGs, and the winner was actually Skyrim of all things. And uh. it's kind of interesting how they got to that sort of ranking, given that most people would argue that there's a lot of games that are far more um, reputable, even uh, in terms of like, what is the the ultimate best RPG? Like we talk about subjective, but I remember just seeing the dumpster fire that was the comments for that. And it's like, at the end of the day, do I agree with it? No. But I also look at it and go, Skyrim came at a very unique time when Mass Effect was having its troubles and all that kind of stuff. That yeah, like I could see that a lot of people, if that was their first sort of Bethesda game, yeah, that could make sense. I think there's better, but you know, n- that's just it. Nostalgia is kind of an interesting thing because you also have to look at like, when did something come out and what was happening at the time? I think the nostalgia surrounding Skyrim is like at a really interesting place today because we're right on the precipice of the Switch release. Yes. And I'm think and I'm thinking to myself like I've already bought this game two friggin' times, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, three friggin' times because I had it for my 360 and then I bought the special edition for the <laughs> or the game the game of the year edition for the PlayStation 3 when I got a PS3 and then I got the special edition for the PS4 and and I sold all of them. I realized how much time I was sinking into like this glorified follow the compass game. And, just, <laughs> and, and I was like, I can't do that to myself with the Switch. I can't do that to my Switch. No, <laughs> you can't do that on the bus or your cool <laughs> rooftop parties. 
but that's what I mean. I can't like, even finish that sentence. Can you think of like what was happening for something like Skyrim to skyrocket, let's say, to the number one spot? It's. I just thought when I saw that list, like that, that was just such a an interesting choice. But it was also one I kind of looked at and was like, "What were you guys smoking that day?" Yeah, I think a lot of people looked at that and thought to themselves, geez, if I didn't get my game Informer for free with my Edge membership, I'd probably cancel it, you know? (laughs) Won't lie. That's a lot of shade. I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) I'm still super baffled that we are even talking about Skyrim in a nostalgia discussion when it came out in 2011. Oh, I know. Is is there a threshold? Is there that's the like, hard part? Well, there, I think I think is there is there that, a cutoff? That that's a point we have to talk about is is it only things we played when we were nine? Or is there this moment of no no, I had a bun I had a bunch of things together in my life, and at the end of the day I got to go home and play Skyrim. And what 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 does Skyrim mean six years later where we all think back on man, that guard had an arrow in his knee. And because yeah. <laughs> Because I'll be honest, I, I recently picked up uh, the Bioshock collection because for the first time ever, I found it new in shrink wrap for $29.99. And in Canada, on the PSN, it's still $79.99, if you can imagine. That's rough. And I, I played through the first game and I thought to myself, I really love this, but this is also nostalgic for me. And when did Bioshock come out? How many years ago? Uh, 2008, 2007? Really? Yeah. It's been, been a while. A Oh my gosh. <laughs> but this is what I mean. It's when you start to kind of attribute an age to something, that really does force your nostalgia. I think personally that you can be nostalgic for anything, even if it is like a year old, because maybe it's yeah. something that brought you a bizarre sense of joy. Look, there were pirate That's... servers of World of Warcraft that ran the ori- the like version 1.0 of that game like there were pirate servers of warcraft that were just vanilla here here's back on the the point that i was making with my statement about being baffled about skyrim being talked about in the nostalgia discussion was to emphasize the point that with so many games these days it seems like the window of a, a new game is like two weeks and then after that, it's basically retro because well, if it's, we've moved on to everything else. If it's not on the top page of Twitch, it's old news. It, it's a dead yeah. game. It's not just that. But it does. Hasn't it, hasn't it always been like that, though? Yes. It used no. to have a longer lead. I feel like games had a longer lead. I remember, and maybe, maybe it's just these big hits that everyone kept playing and kept talking about, but... I feel like would would, would 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 we be as cognizant of this if there wasn't a culture around let's players? Well, I mean, setting aside let's play because that episode is coming. Um, I mean, just the idea that games come and go really fast now is mm-hmm. a. I don't know if that's exactly accurate, but it feels like it feels weird to say that it. As much as I. I think back and I say, no, we talked about Pokemon for until the new Pokemon came out, right? Like, Final Fantasy VII was the biggest deal until Final Fantasy VIII, and I don't know if... And maybe that still happens, but I, it doesn't feel like it, right? Like, and it I, doesn't feel like... You've, you've got four weeks to be talking about Wolf, about the new Wolfenstein, and now we, we're on to the next thing. Well, and I, I just want to add to Scott's point, 
because we're getting games so fast now, you basically have to create a game that leaves a huge impression in order for it to stay relevant more so now. I think the reason we look at games like Skyrim is because in a period where we were getting games fast and furious, it still managed to keep people engaged and keep people interested. Now, honestly, there's also the part of it where it's like, yeah, Bethesda re-released it how many damn times. Um, (laughs) But when you think about it, a lot of games now, like, let's be honest. Do you remember what came out throughout the month of October? I don't because there was so much. I'd have to pull yeah. up the list. I'd have I to would. look at a list. Am I going to be? Well, people have been calling it Broketober, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's been rough. I have not spent anything yet, but the Observer tents. Oh, like I, tents. I bought Fire Emblem. I, I bought Fire Emblem Warriors and uh, and the new Mario. So my my bank account is looking pretty busted right now. <laughs> <laughs> but this is what I mean. Out of those two games, Trent, which is do you think is going to be the one you're going to end up nostalgic for? Probably Mario. Yeah. Because well, you have probably. to also look at well, the fact... Well, does, does that feed into generic Mario nostalgia or general Mario it nostalgia? Does. It does, though. It does, because I've been playing a lot. As you might expect, I've been playing a lot of Mario Odyssey, and it totally plays on that nostalgia. It's not just the fact that there are sequences where, you know, your 2D NES-styled uh, Mario which are really cool and like seamlessly integrated into the game. But there is a lot of auditory and visual callbacks to Super Nintendo 64, uh, sorry, Super Mario 64 um, Mario. And I, I, part of the reason why I like Odyssey as much as I do is because like, I was so craving that style of Mario after a great, but not what I was looking for. 3d land, 3d world kind of games, you know? And so I, they're, to- they're totally playing up the nostalgia. And I'm actually with you on that trend, because I'll use a different example. I just finished South Park Fractured But Whole, which is funny to say into the <laughs> microphone. Um, that, and- that was the goal. I, I'm pretty sure. Congrats to, I guess, Parker and Stone that came up with the title. But You know, yeah. and while I think it's the weaker of the two South Park games that have come out, it made me weirdly nostalgic. Sam, I think you're forgetting about a bunch of N64 South yeah, Park you're games. I, I, about the snowball I, throwing simulator okay, well, in the heart uh, game. Okay, ignoring and, those uh, pieces Chef's of Love crap. <laughs> yeah. Ignoring those pieces of crap, I'm looking at Stick of Truth in this case. Okay. Um, the, the, the recent memory South Park games. Because guess what? No one has nostalgia for Snowball Fight or whatever. Some people would. Some people would. Oh, yeah. I, I talk about this because on one hand, I love the superhero tropes and it made me nostalgic for the episodes of South Park that were related to Coon and Friends. But those, those really were only like four years old. I, I know, but like they were so funny. I mean, he it's rides nostalgic. a magic. He rides a magic Cthulhu and treats it but like do, a cat. Do you, do you find that the, the superhero references make it like very current? Yes and no, because there's also cases where like... It will pick on things like golden era Batman. And like, if you're a comic book nerd, you pick up on that pretty easily. If you're not, it kind of goes over your head. But I was a little sad because one of the things that I was, when I was playing it was, you don't get to go to Canada this time. And Canada was my favorite part of Stick of Truth because it was done in 8-bit. And you just had like, you know your character going around and getting yelled at by the kingdom of Canada. Whereas this time you go towards Canada and there's just a wall and this guy's saying, ha, we have a wall. You can't come here. 
hey, can we let this guy over the wall? No? Ha! You can't come over the wall. You know, in typical Canadian fashion. And I was just like, why, game? Okay. Why couldn't you give me back Canada? Canada's the best part. But, again, I had a lot of fun, but I forgot a lot about some of those recent, you know, last couple years of South Park. Because I think the last season I watched was the one with PC Principal. So it was well, great was, to see PC Principal. Well, that was 20, and that's only two, two seasons years ago. back. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, too, actually. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, there are little references to, like, older, older episodes, and it just played with my brain a little bit. Like, you have a creepy bout with Jared, the subway guy, and it is the creepiest thing ever. And I was like, that episode was terrifying to begin with, and you just had to bring that back so I could sit there and cry for a few minutes. Yeah. Like, no, and it, I love on the, that. On this... Um... On the subject of, like, using nostalgia kind of as a tool or for nefarious purposes, can we just, like, touch on Kickstarter for a little while? Well, no, (laughs) that's that's where I wanted to pivot this this topic into is specifically uh, old school RPGs, nostalgia bait as a style of game. Yes. So, like, and no no shade to, to ukulele. Um, all shade to mighty number nine. Yeah. Um, but, but, I, but, but that idea that has... here's, here's thing you've already bought or, a billion times. Buy it again, please. Like story. Listen, listen, and listen, there, it's a beautiful thing in concept, right? Yeah. Because if we're talking about fans being the producers of spiritual successors to the type of games that they love, I think that's a really beautiful thing. But I think the reality that we keep kind of coming back to is that maybe some of those things are outdated or well, maybe some of those things don't hold up with a new lens. Or maybe, maybe we were more attached people, to properties. Or maybe these people aren't quite what we thought they were. Like, like again, Baldur's Gate 3 is coming. Well, see, I think that's the thing is people want what they're familiar with. They want what's known. You know, if there was... If you put these two things side by side, if Nintendo had developed a brand new game that's just like Super Mario Odyssey with a whole new set of characters and stuff, while Nintendo fans would have latched onto it, it wouldn't have had near as much impact as it would currently as Super Mario Odyssey. I may have just said Galaxy, but um, you know, people are well still relevant, still relevant. And you know what, Mac? I completely agree with you. Um, I'm going to touch upon something I recently read. Um, I had the chance to read Blood, Sweat, and Pixels by Jason Schreier. And as much as he and I are... I'm reading that right now. (laughs) He and I don't have the best relationship ever. I will say that one of the chapters that touches upon what Mac's talking about is Stardew Valley. Um, When you read the chapter about Stardew Valley, you, you really learn that in a lot of ways, the game was a love letter to his wife and his relationship with Harvest Moon. But it's amazing how something like Harvest Moon garnered so much popularity. And it's because, and and Schreier says it really well, you have one Harvest Moon that is this thing that nobody knows what to do with. And the other one is Marvelous saying, hands off, only you get to have this one. And neither, neither one has grown in any way. 
when you think about where their roots are coming from. So when you see something like Stardew Valley... There is no gambling on horse races in either franchise anymore. <laughs> but um, True, Truly the critical misstep of the franchise. Look, 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 look. That was, that was the deepest roots of Harvest Moon, is that a game where you... Horse gambling. What, yeah, you, you were a breeder trainer, and you, you just raised and maintained a stable of racing horses, and... The sequel to that was Harvest Moon, somehow. But, but think about because it. Because Japan is weird. Like, all issues aside with Harvest Moon, it's clear that the developer for Stardew Valley wanted to create something that had the nostalgia lens of Harvest Moon, but still had brand new things to entice people who love that genre. And let's be honest, like, the life sim genre is... It's kind of a weird genre that doesn't really have a huge fan base, but you have this game that turns it around making it popular again yeah yeah so like yeah. kudos to the developer of stardew valley like that's the yeah. key is they tapped into what was good about that not what people think was good about that yeah and it's amazing because you you look at like screenshots of stardew valley and you think oh well this looks like a really pretty super nintendo game uh, and then you watch someone play it, and you're like, oh, this is like a Harvest Moon game. But then you talk to people who may not traditionally play video games, and they've invested like 120 hours into it. You know yep. what I mean? So clearly there's this like core gratification that the game is able to deliver uh, in, in addition to the beautiful visuals and the beautiful audio and everything else that's going on within the game. But, but there, for, for as much as, yeah, there are guys who really do get it, like, I feel like, like, again, I think System Shock 3 is probably going to miss the point. And there's... Is there going to be a System Shock 3? Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 the, uh, again, a bunch of Looking Glass guys who are now, like, pushing 60 at this point have started a brand new indie studio. They're doing a top-down rebuild of System Shock 1 to fund System Shock 3. Why top down? Because System Shock One is unplayable. <laughs> it is bad. It came out. It it is a. It is in rough shape. It, the 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 gameplay of wait first... wait when, when you say when you say top down do you mean like isometric? No, I mean like like I mean they have rebuilt it from the ground up. Oh, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Scott Scott failed there for a second because I kind of made the same face. Terminology like, mm. weird. Uh, but it's just a bit of nomenclature. It, it is, yeah. admittedly, and you know, it's Diablo now. Yeah. <laughs> Could I, you imagine if they did System Shock in a Diablo style? Holy, <laughs> that'd be the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> oh god, that'd be that might get me to play it. I don't know. Who knows? But, yeah. But with what Scott's saying, like you know, it it is. There are reasons to be hesitant for something like System Shock Three or Boulder's Gate Three or Bard's Tale Four. You know, you have cases where. They want to put new bells and whistles on that. And it's like, are you going to still have the same spirit? And when you think about nostalgia, you still want the games to have the same spirit and the same semblance of the property you already liked, correct? I guess, but like... Even though I've, I think I think that's a pipe dream, you know what I mean? Oh God, like, I yes. Feel like you, I feel I feel like you have to give up as a Silent Hill fan. I feel like you have to give up on that. You need to let go. You need to free yourself from hey, the universe hey, Trent. Of, of distrust and dishonesty. Hey Trent, <laughs> Trent dear, talk yeah. to you, Suzuki. Yeah, no, but <laughs> but even then, there there's this idea of of 
even outside of the Kickstarter sphere and the the like way late sequel revival thing, there's this idea of deliberate old school feel and whether that's Dragon Quest will always be this way, shut up about quality of life improvements, or whether oh, it's <laughs> or whether it's uh this idea that no no, we're going out of our way to make something that feels like a Super NES game down to its you know down to the eye teeth, right? I, I guess it, it worries me because it, at some point you reach kind of a, a like a emotionally manipulative kind of area, you know, where, where people are exploiting the way you feel about a franchise or certain characters or a certain design trope, uh, and they're not doing anything new. They're just saying, hey, this thing is here that we know you like, so come back because we know you like that thing. Unsung story. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Oh God, that's the worst. <laughs> hey, aren't they still trying to make that happen? Mm. Like, there's a different a, developer. Yeah, and they're actually doing something, but you know, they're they just kind of pulled it out of the dumpster fire that it had become. Uh, but yeah, that was that was a fun one because I'm pretty sure that's the only thing they did was they slapped Matsuno's name on it and said, "Hey, tactical RPG, Matsuno." Yeah. We know well, well and pe- people spent the money because that's the dream, right? Yeah. Yeah. People want that. If you were to get anybody involved and come up and say, oh, yeah, it's it's Chrono Trigger 2, basically, you know, that's the kind of stuff people bite. They want that so bad. I'm sorry. I am Setsuna. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. You nailed it right on the head. Yep. That That's a, a non-Kickstarter great example. People wanted that to be Chrono Trigger 2, and it... It absolutely is not. It kind of is. It is in all the worst ways, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It takes all the wrong things. It takes just the wrong things. It's not that Chrono Trigger had a whole lot of things that were awful and that people hated, but it's like they don't understand what people loved about Chrono Trigger, and they just said, well, let's just make it look like it and seem like it. My favorite's the Earthbound yeah. clones. Oh, yeah. Though. Like and but some so, some of those are kind of like charming though. No, like, and um, I I'm not taking that away from them. Like if you look at something like Citizens of Earth, where you yes. can tell it borrows from Earthbound quite a bit, but the character designs are so unique um, compared to the game it's borrowing from. Like I I'm not saying like it's a bad thing. It's just Earthbound's kind of one of those ones where whenever somebody says it's like Earthbound, I kind of go well. Please don't. Like again, I got <laughs> I got an email about a tabletop game that was just like checking all the boxes for and specifically like they were just checking boxes from classic JRPGs and they only emailed us because oh, it we're checking JRPG boxes. Can you promote us? And I was like <laughs> You know what I think works, though? And, and I'm going to take a second to highlight a game that I recently experienced that I think uses nostalgia for properties that you kind of love in a, in a really positive way. Um, I think taking elements that are kind of defining to like the nature of a type of game and using it to create a new experience is where it's at. Like That's how you use nostalgia as a really impactful tool. And a good example of this is a game called Observer. It's by the yeah. same game uh, design team, Team Blooper, of Layers of Fear. And it is like a psychological horror game that blends Blade Runner 
and Silent Hill. And that's the best way that I can describe it. The gameplay is like neither. Uh, well, obviously, Blade Runner is not a game. But no, there was a there like, was a point and click for Blade Runner back in the day. Well, I, do you count point and clicks as games? Hey, hey. Am, am I going to get roasted for asking that question? Look, look, I, I got some, I got some deep love for some LucasArts and some Sierra, and I, well, dead, Scott. I pointed dead. and clicked they've, and combined and they've been items. Dead for years. Hey, Trent, yeah. I have a deep love for Carmen Sandiego. Does that count? Oh, yes. Where in the world is she? Anyway, Observer. Observer. If Okay, it's, it's on sale as of the time of the recording of this podcast, so probably not on sale by the time anyone's listening to it. But, but at the same time, well, we could have transitioned from Halloween sale to Christmas sale by the time, or winter sale by the time this episode drops. Well, that's a little bit tragic, but but it's it's worth playing, and it's worth playing because it is a team of people who are at an indie studio that are passionate about creating new experiences with like novel concepts and. Like I thought, I knew I was. I, I thought I knew what I was getting into after playing Layers of Fear and its expansion, Inheritance. And it's not like that game. And it's kind of like Blade Runner, but it's kind of not. And it's kind of like Silent Hill, but it's kind of not. But it like strokes all the aesthetics that I find nostalgic without compromising its originality. And I think that's the sweet spot. And yeah, I think there, there's well. Okay, to to pivot entirely, we we Sam Sam and Mac have used the term clone a, a couple times now, and I do want to address cloning. And one of the reasons why, as whatever my job is here at RP Gamer, I discourage using clone in any of our copy is that one. I like coming up with fun, catchy alternate names for things. Like, third person looter. Third person looter. Like that's great, but it's also just it is unfair to say, oh, this is a Metroidvania game. Well, now I'm stuck comparing it to Symphony of the Night. And not even Symphony Fair. of the Night the way it actually is, but what I remember about playing Symphony of the Night. And so it's it's really rough to say, oh, yeah, just just call it a Metroidvania. Call it call it a uh, call it a roguelike cuz no. And it, it's but un- people are obsessed with that, though. Yeah, people I know. People love categorizing. They I love know. putting things in yeah. a box. And, and that's why this whole meme of, oh, it's like Dark Souls, is like the well, biggest cliche well, of the, 2016, the, the, 2017. Okay, the Souls, we, do need a, we do need a name for Soul, Souls clone pretty fast, because there are a bunch of games that are getting shoved aside because, oh, it's just Dark Souls, but in space. But when... Oh, don't. As somebody who plays and likes Dark Souls games, please do not get me started on this, because nine times out of ten, they're the most off-track comparisons I know what the actual games are. But if, oh, if we you put wanna... something challenging in there, and you're going to die a lot, so therefore it is like Dark but, Souls. But that, that specific feel, that like that specific combat feel, that specific death but, and okay, resurrection but, but, but cycle, that, that needs its own that... name, because there are games that could be great but are going to get ignored because, well, I could just play but Bloodborne again, right? Well, I remember yeah. Salt I mean, and Sanctuary I'm... was pretty cool looking, and they yeah. called that a, a Souls clone. Because it kind of was. It, it kind of it is. That one was. Though. It kind of is. Yeah, but it's so pretty Games, looking, so I, like, I'm, I'm forgiving. Yeah, Salt and Sanctuary, Lords of the Fallen, The Surge, those games are, you know, Dark Souls-likes that Scott needs to get us a cool, catchy name for, because... I'm... 
those like, hit. Well, I'm trying every- again. I'm trying to convince everyone to use the phrase "procedurally generated death labyrinth" instead of "roguelike," but I realize <laughs> that's hard to spell. Also, that that's a lot. Yeah, to write. I, I to to be honest, I don't think many people even know what a roguelike is. Well, no I don't one think played many rogue. Use the term. No, no one, no one really uses the terminology anymore. Yeah. Is yeah. the thing, and and, no, and not in the an challenge. Way. The, the challenge with using the descriptor of oh, it's like Dark Souls is that you could be referencing a thousand things. Like you could be exactly. talking about how oh, the aesthetics are like Dark Souls, or oh, I die a lot, or oh, it's like difficult until I get my handle around the mechanics. Like oh, there's a stamina like, bar. What, what does it says? It says nothing, and it says everything about the person describing it as Dark Souls. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, and that that's why that's why I get on people for saying Diablo clone on the site. It's like, well, a we came up with third person looter, and it's a great word. And b like there are people who are trying to make games, and all you can say about it is, well, it's not Diablo. But Mer- some yep. games weren't that. Okay, like there we've play- <laughs> Sam and I have played a bunch of third person looters that were terrible, but. That has nothing to do with the fact that they weren't good at being Diablo. They were just not good. Yeah. Dungeon Hunter Alliance, <sighs> Crimson Alliance. Alliance comes up a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think I think Alliance is becoming a signifier of bad game. Note to self. Please. Don't use Alliance. He didn't pass that note around. It's like you guys need to get the memo. Alliance not a positive word for your game in most cases. That's that's a bad thing to put your name. Um, I'm here all day to like offer advice yeah. <laughs> on what not to do, because I'm a champ at that. Alright, so I think, um, yeah, again, we, we come back to this idea of nostalgia as being perhaps untrue. Like, I, I come back to my fact that nostalgia is untrustworthy. Not inherently yes. bad, but untrustworthy. And I don't think if anyone else actually said if it was bad or not. I think because it's exactly what you guys have said, though. Like, it is manipulative, but is that necessarily bad? Is it well trustworthy? Again, is that unne- is that necessarily bad? It's hard to say, and I think it varies from person to person. Yeah, it's like rose-colored glasses, right? Yeah. Like, you, you know that you're not seeing the truest vision of what's in front of you, but maybe you like the color pink, right? I know I do. Possibly. Well, that's just it. Good point. All right. And so, on that note. So so our closer question, because we used to do that, is is we get to the pirates finally. Are we being are we being nostalgic about our old segments? Yeah, our old our old our slightly older have format. Have we come full circle? We have come full circle. <laughs> but our closer question is in the wake of this idea of why would I you know, something that I occasionally come up come to in, well, hey, we're going to completely fake, you know, a Mega Man game. Why don't, what, what's wrong with me just playing an old Mega Man? When or how or if do you think um, game piracy is justifiable? I can, I, I have one instance. <laughs> one instance. Oh? If it be, ever becomes abandonware. Well. Because at that point, it's like, I'm sorry, I can't buy Carmen San Diego anymore, but I can get it from yes. Abandonware. Yes, agreed. Okay, so so to, to Sam's point, there have only been two instances where I have, not myself, but I've asked my more technically savvy friends to get me an emulator and a ROM. <laughs> 
and those instances would be Saikendensetsu three and uh, Mother Mother two or no Mother Mother three. Why is it always threes? Because uh, <laughs> by then people are not bringing the game over. It, it, it has something right. to and, do and with this, the U.S. Is, giving up. And this up is what it two. amounts to. Like I, I am so. I deeply believe that there are talented, creative, passionate people that are are earnestly trying to produce games that we should be spending money on. And it sickens me that that there's this mentality of I'll pirate the game first, and if I like it, I may purchase it. Like, yeah, I think that's horrific. If, that you, if you think that you're you're not a good person, I'm just putting that on the well, table. That's like, not a good way to. There are so many games. there. Like it's at this point, it's so easy to give. The people making the thing you like money. Yep. And I mean, yeah, and there's other involved, ways of getting it. A lot of time it involves waiting, well, but well, it wait, wait, wait for a sale. Wait yeah. for a sale. Well, you wait for a Steam sale. You wait for a PSN flash sale. Maybe you're spending ten bucks on a sixty dollar game, but you don't have to pirate it. You know what I mean? And there that's are, just yep. it's 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 theft. The only time I will ever pirate a game is when I know there's no hope in hell of it coming to my shores and me playing a fully translated official version. And I'm going to pimp one other option that people forget about. You can use things like your library to rent video games. Well, that's it. There are, there are still services we, that make game rental available. Like my work... We purchase video games for all the branches. Also, take a shot because Sam mentioned libraries. Yes. I, I built my work very well. But it's the truth. Like, we buy copies of games. They're some of the high, most highly circulated items that we have. And people love the fact that they can come in with their library card, check out a new game, and know that likely they're not going to be able to finish it, but at least gives them an idea of, is this something I might want to buy? We have a lot of customers or, or, that do that. Or, you know what? It could be just a few hours of relaxation. Yep. And what are games supposed to be at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And hey, is like it, a, 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 it's a fun, right, Scott? It's yeah. fun. Video games are fun. Uh, I love using that word on him. He gets so uh, upset. Oh, I th- I'm glad that you brought that up because I'm playing through Mass Effect Andromeda right now. And after scanning 20 things, I was just like, someone please remind me what fun feels like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Going back to your point about piracy that you said, Trent, though. When you said that there's, you would do so if there's absolutely no chance that you would ever be able to play a localized version. Yeah. But I imagine you're also the kind of person. As soon as a localized version was to magically happen, you'd be right oh, on yeah. that. Oh yeah. Oh, listen, listen. I I have four copies of Earthbound. I have three yeah. copies of Secret of Mana. Like, if it's a series that I care about, I'm going to support it at every avenue they give me to. And if they finally release Mother 3 or or the sequel to Secret of Mana, I will be there. I will be there not even day one, within 10 minutes of release. I will skip out on my work in the morning just so that I can buy that crap. You know what you, I mean? But well, you, you need to give Trent, me the opportunity. I do have to say, you, you are in a prime position to skip work now because... You can say your kid has the flu. Oh, well, actually, he had croup lately, so that was pretty much, yeah. yeah. Okay, but what I'm saying is you don't even have to pretend, sound sick on the phone anymore. You just have to say, my kid has the flu. I am covered in fluids. I am not coming in. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I have not, again, I, I've stopped pirating just about everything now. And the did, last- you feel, did you ever feel dirty Oh, I, I felt- when you did it? I felt bad 
for there's a bunch of stuff I felt bad for, and there's things I still kind of feel a little guilty about. Um, you know, I think I've got you know everyone's got their half million dollar iPod that you're just like, oh geez, right, right, that's bad. But um, the the do you guys do that? Do you guys pirate music? Well, no, I've stopped. But I think like every okay. but I mean like you open the drawer and there's your old MP3 player, and I'm like, eh, some of these some of these files are not legit. <laughs> Yeah. No. See, yeah. I never, I, I never did that because I was raised, <laughs> I was raised with a firm installation of Christian guilt. <laughs> okay. So, but I've never been able to let myself do that. Okay. I do want to point out the last thing I did. I pirated, and uh, I can tell you exactly what it was. The uh, a game I really liked from I do have nostalgia for from 15 years ago. I guess is uh, No One Lives Forever, and. Aren't they making a new game in that franchise? No, no. Someone, for starters, um, the, the the game itself is tangled up, was for a long time tangled I, up. I, I know, there's, there's a lot of copyright issues around it. Like, like four different companies had their fingers in that game, and no one was sure who owned it. And there was a team of guys that were going to re-release those two games, and then do a third one, and... They just had to figure out who. They had the source code. They were ready to launch it uh, in, you know, 64-bit friendly uh, operating system fa- format. And they've tracked down who owned it, and they said no. Flat no, we don't think this is viable. Thanks for your time, we're done. And so, when that news <laughs> broke, I'm like, well, guess what? ISO right here. I haven't bothered to install it or try to make it work. I've just been like, nope. You you don't want my money? Fine, it's on my hard drive forever now. So it was more of a spiteful oh, the, that, theft. Oh, the, there's <laughs> I, I I have spite downloaded things before, and I will spite download again. I, I have. You were very you were very roguelike in your execution. I have a small story. So when I was a kid, my brother modded my PS One because he had a friend who burned games onto CDs, and I didn't know better as a child. <laughs> So that was actually how I played Sweet Code in 2 for the first time. <laughs> I weirdly still have the burned disc and the burned PS1. I've never, like, I never purchased the games. Like, my brother would just come home with a crap ton of burned games. And because I was a little kid, I didn't really think much of it. Like, I remember questioning him about it and him being like, it's not a big deal. Like, don't worry. Like, games are too expensive. No, 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 no. And my mom would just kind of be like, this seems illegal. <laughs> and I'd be like, I don't understand, but I guess I get to play this game that I like. For what it's worth, all the games that I liked that he had pirated, I did buy real copies for as I got older when I realized that was a bad thing. I basically yeah. was like, must spend real money to fix problem from past. And my mom going... It's, it's funny It's funny that you mentioned this because like, I, I went over to my friend Justin's house and he had a Dreamcast and he was playing what I thought was Suikoden, or not, not Suikoden, uh, Shenmue. And it turned out he was playing Shenmue 2 and I was like, I thought I, I thought I knew this game because we owned Shenmue. And then he popped it open and it was this burned CD. Because you could do that with Dreamcast games, right? Yeah. yeah. You can just burn them onto a CD. Uh, and, as long and as they like, weren't yeah. too big. Because GD-ROMs were slightly bigger. So I think most pirated Shenmue 2s didn't have audio. Yeah. So so he was like, yeah, my dad just rips like 200 games for the Dreamcast. And I felt dirty. I felt like I had been playing this like thing that I didn't realize I was complicit to theft, you know? I, 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 like I said, I felt 
horrible as a child. And as soon as I was making my own money, it was like, okay, I got to replace the ones that I liked. Like there were some that I, I had in the collection that I was just like, I never bothered with because they were either my brothers or, you know, they just appeared out of nowhere. And I was like, I don't like this enough to buy it. Mm-hmm. But the ones that I really loved, it was like, no, I have to have a legit copy of that. Um, mm-hmm. My my favorite Sweet Code and Two story is I had a friend actually find it in a pawn shop for $6. So he bought it for me for my birthday. And this is before it ever came out digitally. And I said, you know, you could have paid rent with this. And he tried to take it back from me. Seriously? Yep. He tried to take it back from me. And I said, no, you already gave it to me as a birthday gift. And it's the best birthday gift ever. And I'm going to treasure it and play it again, which I did. But he was just like, crap, I could have paid rent with that. I'm like, did you not know what this was worth on the secondhand market? He's like, well, no, and clearly the pawn shop didn't either. That's the beauty of pawn shops. See, and this is another thing. Like, you don't, you don't need to steal games. You just need to be a thrifty, savvy shopper. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, and so I guess, uh, Mac, you, you, you steal things? You steal shit? did as a younger person who knew no better until I, you know, came to my own. And at the time, I was working with a bunch of people who modded Xboxes, and that's when I started to realize exactly what had been going on, and I was like, uh, yeah, this is kind of shady. Well, there, there's, so, th- I think there's that tipping point where you see just how deep it goes, and I'm like, yeah, I'm done with you guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... But but did you get your Xbox modded? Me? Oh yes, I did. <laughs> and and that's what I was that that was the problem is I was like, oh wait, I got it modded, and then I was like, so how do you play all these games? And they're like, oh well, you just download them and you have them for free. And I was like, that's not legit, right? That bad? Because <laughs> at the time they sold me on, you know, oh you can mod it you can import games or you can do stuff like that and i was like well there's not really anything i want to play yet but i guess that would be kind of cool if they came out with something that i could import metal wolf chaos and yeah it just quickly became oh yeah you can just download anything you want for free and i was like free define free (laughs) but yeah and before that, it was PC stuff that I didn't really ever play. And I'd buy some PC games, and other friends would be like, here, you can borrow my discs. Okay. So I had like a huge PC collection of games that I never actually played, but people were giving me. So I was like, oh, yeah, I have all these PC games. So I was the worst pirater ever, I guess. <laughs> I pirated a bunch of crap that I had no interest in playing. I feel like that's a lot of pirates. There, there are people who just have, not enjoy, or consume. But uh, I guess yeah. that that's that's our closer, and we'll go into feedback. And feedback is a segment we have for when the forums uh, find something interesting, because I know we throw out a new idea every three and a half minutes, but when someone in the forums latches on to something we've said and wants to elaborate or share their own experience... Unless you're this waste of bandwidth. Are you talking about our special friend? Our special friend. He's our special friend. So f***ing Veg, who is his own neural network, I swear. Like, like he, he doesn't need 
to actually write anything anymore. He just waits for the keyword to show up and he plugs in three random phrases related to that keyword. Like the fact that someone, like an RPG cast, was titled Final Fantasy VII for the GBA. And again, because he doesn't actually consume anything we post, he just waits for the title to trip his keywords. He, uh, He just went on a thing about Knights of the Round. And so... When we're talking about difficulty, he talks about cheesing the fun out of the game by over-optimizing, which is something we called out in that episode that he didn't listen to, and we'll call out again soon in another episode, because there's, like, two episodes coming up that are going to touch on shit he always says. But On the plus side, other people made very constructive comments that I appreciate. But I, I just want to call out the idiot in the room and say, guy... Why you bother us? Why you bother anyone? Well, why why bother calling him out, though, if he's not going to listen to this whole segment? Because it's good for me, and it makes Max smile. <laughs> I, like, I like teasing, because, like you said, there's no actual consumption of anything, so I just like kind of teasing things. It's fun. I miss when like, Glenn used to do it. Glenn, Glenn is better at it than I am, I will admit. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Stupid Glenn. Stupid Glenn, not helping me be, not helping me low key troll for In any case, I, don't like. I, I, I appreciate some of the other sentiments that came up about how, you know, some people like to play on the easiest difficulty, which Mac and I appreciate. We like you people. Well, there were some, there were some interesting thoughts about the world ends with you and how that incorporated difficulty changes and, um, yeah. Just how people more and more are just, adopting the easy street lifestyle and saying yeah i ain't got time for this or oh hard game or games that are badly put together get worse on hard and remember if you tell someone that playing a game on easy makes them less of a gamer you are a trash baby just saying you're a trash baby I hate that. Just as a general rule, don't be one of those people who says, oh, you're no true fan or you're no true gamer unless you do things this way. Like, the world needs less gatekeepers, guy. That's right. Or girl. So, trash babies. Trash babies. Yeah. You get to go sit in a fire all by yourself pretending you're cool because you're a trash baby. Screw you. This is just this this most savage part of our podcasting. <laughs> I about to say, yeah, I was about to say it's hit the point in the podcast where we're all hunger raging. I think, or we're, something. We're all oh, hungry God. and full of beer, and we're mad at the forums. But but to the people who are proud to be Easy Street, I'm with you. You do you, man. You rock it. You rock it so hard. I I have I have strolled down your avenue more than once, and will do so again. Yep, because. Yeah. My life is... Just, that's me. Yeah. Raising hands. Well, I mean, I think the reality is that you reach a point in life where you're thinking, how do I get the whole experience without dilly-dallying, being cognizant of how limited my time is as an adult? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yes. I'm not saying that challenge isn't important, but sometimes when it's a narratively driven game, like you want to experience the narrative, right? Yeah. If challenge is part of it being fun then that's something I can accept and be like, okay, well, you know, I'm either going to have fun with it or not. But if it's just something that's going to waste my time, screw that. Yeah. Yep. And with that, good night. So again, um, obviously, uh, leave us your comments. We might tease you. We might not. 
we might appre- say appreciative things. You can, of course, join the Sam Marcello fan club, 995. Apparently, if you don't join, you're also a trash baby. <laughs> no. You're, you're, you're not, no, you're not a trash baby if you don't join. <laughs> but you don't get one of our commemorative pens, and it actually comes with a little string so that you can put it around your neck and use it whenever you need to take notes. Yeah. Pretty, they're really handy. Pretty useful. Really handy. You miss out on the all-important San Marcello fan club newsletter. It's very yeah. lovely. Um, I yeah, want one of those we, pens, we, we, Trent. I want one of I, those I pens know. for well, work. I, I, know. I know, but we're holding on to them so that we can use them for a Kickstarter threshold reward. <laughs> and when when we launch a game that is a San Marcello life sim, we'll have something to give out to people. I feel sorry for people who play the San Marcello life sim know, because it's probably just your life in a library reading all the books. I feel like yeah, there's, but there's a lot of there, there's a lot of anger there too though. Yeah, I feel like this needs to be a Patreon or something that we need to actually start because I think there's there's stuff that there, can get. I moving. know there, there's value. There's value. There really is. Yeah, and like, I feel like it would be a really excellent creative input for us. And we know enough people in industry that could probably handle a lot of the heavy lifting. I think we could make this happen. And, like, and, yep. I'm not sure how many people would play it, but I think we could make it happen. And yeah. I'm going to assume that you guys are going to be like the highest, you know, payers on this, correct? Because oh. you are the ones who've made this oh, stupid no, no, fan this club. <laughs> Listen, listen. This is pro bono for us. We're only yeah. in it for the passion. Like, you know? like we're here to we're here to do the work. Someone else has to pay us to generate what is clearly some sort of library building sim game. Like, and like I'm thinking, ooh, I like how this is taking shape. Like, like people will, and periodically you have to like, ooh, ooh, oh no, I've got it. You have to at night break into people's houses who have fines to steal the nickels they owe you. Or the like, books back, or like you either have to steal the books back or steal uh, the the oh, the the fines. Is yeah. there a reader's advisory component? Oh, obviously, yeah. Like I'm <laughs> I, I'm fi- I'm picturing a two phase game. You have daytime <laughs> phase where you are acquiring books and interfacing with uh, customers, and then yes, there's a, a nighttime day and night cycle, and then there's a yes. nighttime phase where you have to break into people's houses and uh, you know reacquire overdue books. And maybe See, the real the real question is whether there's a hunger system involved as well. Well, right? I don't think I I don't think there's any. Uh, there's a hunger for are we, literature are we going, trend. Are we going, is this full San Andreas or what are we doing here? You know, I, I don't think we need hunger, but I think you do occasionally uh, have to like you'll you'll get the hunger for literature and you have to spend the night in reading quietly. Oh, this sounds Ooh. perfect. I want this to be real. So is you, there like a social like dating sim component? Can well, we make it like half persona? Well, I, I, I think again, if it, while we're on this, I think we we could do like, oh, you've got regular customers that you can maybe hang out with, and then like start book club, and maybe got book clubs kind of ornery, so you have to talk wow. to him. This is wow. <laughs> <laughs> is your mind blown, Mac? That that's the yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. I think. <laughs> Yeah, Cle- but, clearly but if, Sam would have like want... a central like she she'd be like a central figure in the game. But I'm thinking <laughs> that our main character. I'm not saying our main character would be Mizato, but our main character is going to be Mizato, right? Maybe we we're 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 yeah. going to workshop this out. We're going to come back. But again, if you want more of these ideas, keep an eye out for our crowdfunding uh, campaign, uh, and obviously listen to the podcast. Until next time. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and if you have ideas for a Sam Marcello game, please leave them in the comment section. Yeah. Actually, I would love to hear commenters come up with a game about me. Just <laughs> just out of curiosity what you think it should be. 
Is it going to be yeah, like yeah. We'll, Mickey we'll, Mania? We'll try to accommodate as we'll try to accommodate as much as we can, but please keep in mind that we're using uh, the Frostbite engine, so we're going to have to build a lot of stuff from scratch. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're going to have we have the we lighting have to effect. avoid the things that are too complicated. Yeah, so you're not using MS yeah, Paint? Just, no, no, it's it's going to be Frost. It's going to be Frostbite. So I got to give you advance notice. This is either going to be a first person shooter or it's going to be a car driving sim. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't like this game anymore. <laughs> I want my Harvest Moon style life sim in the library. I want well, to play that game in the in more. Frostbite, so. <laughs> There's a game about a lady in a morgue, which I want to play, though. And it's also a life sim. Uh, On that is note. Is it the game of life? No. It's called A Mortician's Tale. Okay. So, so until next time, thank you very much. Good night. Yeah, yeah. I want to point out I hate you guys because I want this game to be real. <laughs> I, want I to, also want this game to I be I want real. to be able to play it like it's Reseteer when I deal with the customers being like, you have overdue uh, fines. And then it'll give you the option, wave or not to wave. Hey, Scott here. Um, just cutting in in post-production to mention that our next episode will of course be our year-end Q&A episode. So... If you have questions for the usual panel, leave them in the comments on the forums for this episode, or just shoot us a tweet with the hashtag ATBS on Twitter to let us know that we should answer them. But until then, hey, glad you had a good time, and keep listening. Thank you very much. The Active Topical Banter Show is an RP Gamer production. Visit rpgamer.com for past episodes, comments, sections, other great podcasts, as well as piles upon piles of written content. All music is courtesy of ocremix.com, composed by Nobuo Oimatsu. Thank you for listening. to say there's a difference between the topic being nostalgia and what scott's rant that leads into the topic discussion <laughs> being nostalgia are hey hey you love those rants i know that means also i don't know what the podcast is actually about until i hear the rant so <laughs> it helps keep me on my toes i guess look look we we, we could be phil we could be phil and you know how the podcast is gonna go two weeks before you record it but but no <laughs> Scott is unpredictable, that's all. So much shade, so much shade. Oh, like, oh, you, you don't even want to know. You don't even want to know. Don't know. You know, if, if I've gotten podcasters on this site fired once or twice before.